0: Hello beautiful people, welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I as a Christian believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies at God is Gray XO at gmail.com. To support the pause and be a part of our community donate to patreon.com slash goddess gray now on to the episode hi beautiful people today we're talking to my friend scott Stenholm. he is an emmy nominated mm-hmm. producer and writer who covered politics for over a decade working with the likes of larry king megan mccain ron paul and bill maher hello scott hi how you doing <laughs> Today we're talking about politics, which I know can be a very sticky issue and as much as I want to invite both sides into this conversation or all sides, I know it's actually more nuanced. Most people are not polar on one side or the other, Um, but for anyone who is curious or interested Scott and I are just going to have a candid conversation, really friend to friend. He has so much expertise and knowledge in the political sphere. He is friends with people of all different ideologies. He grew up in a very Republican town, um, very conservative background, evangelical background. So, and has no animosity or hatred for any of that either. Just a very nuanced, balanced person. But in this conversation, we're going to get deeper and headier than that because this election is incredibly important and we want to encourage all of you to get your booties out and vote 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 because to Scott and I it is not worth um, being a one party or one uh, issue voter in this instance. We're going to explain a little bit about that. It is important to be pro-life from birth to death, we're going to talk about what it means to truly be pro-life in the truest sense of the word. And um, just talk about what it's going to take to get this country back on track, to have some unity and to maintain or more like get back some of the civility that we used to enjoy as a nation. So let's dive in. Well, I'm going to really let you lead the way because I'm just Uh, excited to listen and learn. Yeah, I mean, I
1: thought that uh, something that, you know, it kind of goes off what you were saying is that there's a lot of mistrust in what is being covered, what is being said, um, whether it be both sides, the media, uh, journalism. um, And one of the things that a lot of people don't trust, uh, I know that I have a lot of friends who don't trust them, are the polls. We're going into Tuesday and a lot of people think, oh, you can't trust the polls because of what happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, there were some missteps by uh, pollsters in 2016. Uh, but that, you know, a couple things that you want to take into account. One, this is not 2016. Four years of stuff has happened since then. Also, the polls were not that wrong. People think, oh, my gosh, everyone thought it was going to be a landslide. But if you actually look at what the polls were saying, both in swing states and nationally, it was within the margin of error. There was the possibility that he was going to win, and he had a a relatively decent chance of winning. Um, You know, there was a scientific poll that was taken in right after the election, or before and after the election, that found that Trump was... The least liked presidential candidate in modern history, and the second least liked was Hillary Clinton.
0: Wow! So,
1: so if he, if she if he had gone up against a myriad of other candidates, uh, you know, he would not have done as well. There's, it's it's guaranteed. And also, people don't quite realize that uh, in most swing states, a large portion of the population did not vote. Yeah. In 2018, we saw a massive boom of voters. We also saw a massive boom in voters that are of a younger age, and they Mm -hmm. tend to lean Democratic. So, uh, you know, these are all tea leaves that we can look at. But I do want to sort of preface everything by saying that he can absolutely win. He could absolutely win again. Um, But in terms of the polls... You know, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin uh, are two states that were huge in deciding the election in twenty sixteen, and in Pennsylvania, uh, he, the, the 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 state was decided by zero point seven percent of the people who voted. In, we're talking about Trump won two point nine million votes and Clinton won 2900000 were million. We're we're talking about like a difference of, you know, like she had two or he had 2.97 and she had 2.92. That's
0: so crazy. That's
1: the election right there. Yeah. And the same thing in Wisconsin, Uh, it was incredibly close. And you also have to factor in that in 2016, a lot of the people were believing the polls, and they were just thinking about that, and they said, "Oh well, I don't need to go out and vote," and they mm-hmm. weren't as enthusiastic about her as they were for, say, President Obama. So it wasn't as you know, it wasn't uh, an experience to go out and vote. Yeah, and they thought, "Well, I don't have to worry about Trump getting elected because he will; he's not going to win." Like everyone's been saying it for months, and so a lot of people stayed home. And you have to believe that in a country where the pop where the 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 Democratic candidate won by nearly three million in terms of the popular vote in twenty sixteen, a lot of those people are not going to make the same mistake in their view uh, this time around.
0: Yeah, I'll just say everything from my level of ignorance or education, <laughs> <laughs> and from my memory, I just recall that a huge joke was made of him. You know, um, Seth Meyers still talks about how one of his greatest regrets is having made a joke of him and having made light of him and maybe putting him in a tizzy that would encourage him to actually do this. And then I remember being really mad at Jimmy Fallon because I felt like he and Saturday Night Live both perpetuated this idea of like, this is a joke, you guys, we don't have to worry about this This is never going to happen. This guy's like just playing around. Look how funny it and I, you know, I'm not going to go back and judge them for not having that foresight. But at the same time, I hope it's a cautionary tale for anyone that ever makes light of a potentially dangerous candidate again. And I say that, you know, with the preface of hello, anyone of different perspectives that's listening to this, I don't mean to fully alienate you or say off the bat that he is a dangerous candidate. I'm just saying that if at any point, anyone that seems risky or off or dangerous is put up in a position like this, we need to take it seriously from here on out because apparently anyone can win this thing.
1: Yes. And, and I think that it's, it's worth, uh, noting that uh, you know, I personally come from a Republican town. I come from a Republican family. Um, you know, my and we've talked about this. You know, uh, the last time is that my grandparents were professors at an evangelical Christian college in the South. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was a head of the ministry department there, and I love them dearly. Uh, and I am friends with. I was at Meghan McCain's wedding. I, I have worked. I was a producer for, for Ron Paul, who is one of the, the most uh, famous libertarians in in the history of this country. And uh, I have worked. Your with
0: resume him. is very diverse, which is, is something right. I love. And. You know, even say what you will about The View, for example, that Meghan McCain is one of the hosts on. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for forcing people of different perspectives to have these conversations, even when they go awry or often to <laughs> some place.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. that, I mean, that's a good example of, I mean, you know, I, obviously I have a, a personal connection to it and a professional connection to the, the McCains in the past, but I... Uh, that's a good example of how America should be is that yeah.
0: mm-hmm. because
1: and that's really kind of what we were we were founded on and then what we've sort of held dear uh, you know <coughs> Megan is uh, you know she's on that show and and she has these big disagreements with the women you know and she's, she's a she's in the minority there She's very yeah. much outnumbered when it comes to, often when it comes to guests when it comes to the other hosts when it comes to probably the people she's even working with the producers and you know uh, you know person doing her makeup um, and yet she continues her friendships with those people and I am and, and Eileen left uh, but i am but she's i consider her a dear friend, and I respect her immensely we don't agree, but that doesn't mean that um you know we can't like come together and be and and be first and foremost americans and people and that is how john McCain was with joe biden those two were lifelong friends dear friends oh. they would argue intensely on you know the senate floor and then they would go out to dinner mm.
0: yeah.
1: and uh you know and it was you know it, it it just I think that what we're talking about in this election is not so much because i i am after ten years of covering this sort of thing I've become increasingly disenfranchised by the polar separation between the and the division in our country yeah you know i it's it's almost become it, it, every individual issue is important but what is sort of overtaking everything, in a sense, is the division itself. It's not, it, it, and, and it's, and the, and the lack of morality that is coming behind it. And we're seeing that both on the left and the right.
0: Yeah. I've been saying for a minute that for, you know, a long time, I sat in my liberal bubble in Los Angeles, really feeling very attacked by the conservative end of things, especially just primarily being in the space that I'm in, I would just often encounter more conservative thinkers or Republicans because of my faith. Um, And I always, I I just felt like there was so much hostility and judgment about my character and who I would be due to these qualifiers of myself, feminist, liberal, democratic, Mm -hmm. whatever, living in Los Angeles. Right.
1: Um,
0: And I never wanted to judge people by the same, but I was reaching a fever pitch through all of this. And, and it's really hard to not, you know, feel attacked and then attack back. I think everybody is in this fight or flight mode. And a lot of people in the spiritual space uh, of like social media and stuff are really trying to talk people down from that ledge. I think everybody come back down, everybody settle down, let's have a conversation. Right. And it's refreshing. I'm starting to see more people in the political atmosphere where you are, kind of coming to the same thing but then there's also so much anxiety around this election and i think one of my main questions for you is like how scared do we need to be does it need to be this scary does it need to feel this imminent? um yes or no yes okay
1: unfortunately i i i wish i could uh i could say different but it it does i think that This is unlike any other election. This is not any other election um, because a few things. Um, I never, I did not vote for Bush. I did not, you know, these are the only showing my age. I did not vote for Bush. I did not vote for McCain. I did not vote for Romney, but I never doubted that they were good men. I never doubted that they had a level of decency and morality and an ethical compass. Donald Trump does not. He not only has, uh, I mean, it, if if he wins re-election, it is a, it is basically an endorsement of that sort of behavior and that sort of mo- worldview, and and it will also be so crippling uh, in a in a in a way to people who are thoughtful and who are, who do think the best, that it will, it'll fracture, you know, their faith in, in goodness. And, um, and then on top of that, whether you, you know, want to believe in, in climate science and, um, or, or the, you know, to the degree in which we can do something about it, we really, if, if if he is reelected, we just cannot go another four years n- addressing this.
0: No, uh, I just saw like I got a New York Times, uh, <laughs> and I didn't even want to say New York Times because he's vilified that as a totally right like non-real paper, which is something right. that's insane to me too. I don't understand how nobody has the foresight to realize that the more they concede to his crazy lies that the, the more decayed it will be for them in the future. Like for example I've had very few experiences with the media but when I have their diligence in searching for the truth and also the ethical code That they are required to live under means that they are working the hardest at making sure they're giving you fact-based information. Yes. If it's an opinion piece, it will have a disclaimer if it's an opinion. And you know, if they're talking heads on TV, obviously they'll show their opinions more. But like for the most part, journalists have an ethical code that they're standing by. So to have somebody intentionally try to degrade that reputation and pretend that is not the case. Mm -hmm. I just think that's dangerous no matter what his political lean is. Right,
1: so recently there was a very publicized, very talked about interview that uh, Leslie Stahl did with Donald Trump on 60 Minutes. Yeah. In which he he walked out. (laughs) And she said to him at the top of the interview, are you ready for the tough questions? which is what you expect if you are the leader of the free world, you, you're like, tough questions are out there. Um, and if I, if I, and he was immediately um, offended by the fact that he was being, at, would be asked tough questions. It's hard to imagine any other president in our history that, and, and that would respond in any other way than bring it on. You know, like it's, it's unfathomable that he, that the office has not changed him and he has not, he has not grown to respect or revere, um, you know, the the responsibility that he is tasked with. And, and he, he spent much of the interview complaining that Joe Biden doesn't get enough tough, tough questions. You know, he's always, it's somebody else's, he is always being wronged. He yeah. never takes responsibility and he, and like, I, you know, this, these are not the, I grew up in the Midwest. This is not the kind of values that I grew up in. You know, I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up in a, in a, uh, uh, you know, in a conservative town. This is not what people, like, this is not how we were raised. And, and but to go back to the, the journalism question, the last time Leslie Stahl interviewed him when they were off camera, he, she she asked him like why are you always going after the media and he said because if I because if I go after you and label you as fake news or whatever then when you write bad things about me it will seem like it will delegitimize you so if He's, you, they, you just, he was
0: on camera saying that
1: No, he was off camera, but there were a lot of people who saw it. And like, we're talking about Leslie Stahl, who is a very reputable person who for decades has been reporting uh, on a show that is overwhelmingly accredited with, uh, you know, investigative journalism and and whatnot. And and you're right. Journalists in general are held to a higher standard than, say, social media tweets or (laughs) Um, just espousing things uh, or opining things into a microphone because they have to get usually have to get three sources for something. Um, I know there's been a lot of uproar about the whole Bo Biden situation and his laptop and why a lot of people they were censoring a link to the New York Post. And the thing is is that uh, what we have realized what has come to light since then—the reason why the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and and uh, the Washington Post and others have not fully reported what was being said—was that the source was Rudy Giuliani, who is the president's personal lawyer, and who and and it was also found by our intelligence agencies that Rudy Giuliani was compromised by the Russian government and they were trying to use him as an asset. Now, I don't want to get into the weeds here, but um, something else to consider is that there is no lack of coverage of the president. There's no lack of, like people are putting out there what he's saying.
0: Yeah,
1: And much of the time when he is calling something fake news or incorrect, they are literally just reporting what he said or what people in his administration did, or what, you know, has happened under his policies. And he will call it fake news. He'll say, I never said that, I never said that. Or he will later come back and say, I'm joking. He Anything that is critical of him, he calls it fake.
0: Yes, I know. I will say though, We, you and I could conceivably just be preaching to the choir on this because I agree with you and I hear you and I think something I'd be curious to acknowledge is why should anyone that is listening to this conversation consider not voting for Donald Trump. Um, I, for one, have taken a strong platform trying to explain to people that if you are a one-issue voter and your one issue is abortion, that actually abortion has been on a steady decline for decades and it's getting better and better and that Trump and Pence have done things to actively cause more unwanted pregnancy, more abortion, therefore. So like, and I am proud to say I've been talking to a lot of more conservative thinkers that generally have voted Republican in the past that felt like their morals were decaying or under attack or being fully compromised by feeling like they have to vote for this man for this one reason. Right, And a lot of christians see that as the golden calf they're like it doesn't matter i'll excuse him for everything and anything as long as he protects newborn babies or not newborn babies unborn babies right um so you know i'm doing my best to (laughs) argue that with facts and information but like we're talking about when facts are under attack and when you have the lingo of pro-life and it's you know, that's one thing that is one reason why people vote for him. another reason people vote is because they're like, why don't you know this government has been shit part of my French for a long time and like maybe something new is going to rouse everybody up and he's draining right. the swamp and like, right. I think those are the two main things I've found a lot of pushback that are hard to talk people out of because okay. those narratives are compelling.
1: Okay, so. Yes, I I would agree that those are two issues that are very much, um, you know, used in in terms of of voting for Trump and and while pushing aside everything else. In in terms of abortion, um, we, the Supreme Court now is six to three conservative judges. And uh, the new Supreme Court justice that was appointed by Trump, she is you know, historically, I mean, she said, I won't, I won't say whether I will, you know, what I would do if Roe versus Wade came. She wouldn't
0: answer one question about anything.
1: She wouldn't. Um, and, but given her record and given the fact that she was put up there by, um, the Trump administration, which is very, very conservative, um, and, I would say that it's it's almost a guarantee that she will be on the side of your issue. If you are pro-life, then if you're pro-life, then then your your as far as the Supreme Court goes, you know you might get exactly what you're wanting, uh, and so you don't need Trump for that. Uh, the other thing is that. There are, there are very, well, I'll I'll go off what you were saying. Yes. Uh, There have been steps that have been taken by the Trump administration uh, that have made it, have made it harder for women and young girls to plan and to have other options. And so, um, you know, that is definitely something to consider, Uh, but there isn't any evidence that the Biden Harris administration would be would would result in a boom of abortions, or that we're gonna have late, we're gonna have late trimester abortions, or you know, anything like that. And Joe Biden is a Catholic. He'd only be the second Catholic elected to the White House in the history of our our country after JFK. And so uh You know, while he is pro-choice, he's not pro-abortion.
0: No one really is. (laughs) That's like a fallacy, I think.
1: Right. right. Uh, And and then the second uh, the second point you made is, you know, that goes back. If we look back at 2016, one of the reasons why why Trump ended up winning was because he got a lot of he got a lot of voters that had voted for Obama. We're talking about two polar opposite human beings. So you have to ask. So people ask, why? Why would the, why would Obama voters vote for Trump? And it's because they voted for Obama for the same reason that they voted for Trump. Is in a lot of these Rust Belt states, in you know the Midwest swing states, they are dealing with a income inequality, low wages. Uh, globalization and automation has really hit them hard in yeah. industrial states. And it's, been, and it's been happening for decades. And so when Obama came along, even if they had voted for Republicans in the past or even if they were, you know, uh, they thought, okay, he's new and different. He seems like, it seems like there really will be change mm. because his candidacy uh, projected that. and the, and And they did not get it. They did not get what they were hoping for with Obama over the course of eight years. And so they, and it's gotten increasingly worse that in 2016, Trump could be considered a Hail Mary by those voters. Like, all right, you know what? This isn't working. Let's try it. Mm -hmm. But unlike 2016, he now has a record to run. And the vast majority of the people who gave him a chance that otherwise might not have voted for him then have come to terms with the fact that he is, he did not make their lives any better. And if anything, he made them worse. Something else to consider if you do value uh, human life. Something that Trump is trying to do is to dismantle the Affordable Care Act. He said it multiple times, and if he does that, it would kick millions of Americans off of their healthcare during a global pandemic. Not to mention, anyone with pre-existing conditions would have a wildly harder time getting insurance, and COVID could be considered a pre-existing condition.
0: What is motivating this exactly? Why does he want to get rid of it so badly?
1: I I mean, uh, I think that there's a few reasons. One, I think that, and I think this cannot be understated. He had a visceral dislike and and hatred to President Obama. Um, And, you know, some argue that during the White House correspondence dinner that Trump attended when when, uh, Obama made cracks at him, because yeah. he was obama because trump was you know saying he wasn't born here or whatever it was he was basically marginalizing him and 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 making him feel very small and making fun of him you know because he was shooting back at him that that was when trump decided he was going to run and he is um i think that you know he very much wanted to go after that because he wanted to, he, he, he started when he, as soon as he got into office, he started to take away as much as he could that Obama did. It, yeah. and it almost seemed like it was in spite. And one of the other things that uh, he is considering is, I think that he thinks that it is politically savvy to say that for his base, because it's, his base is what won him the election. And, and his base doesn't like Obamacare which a lot of them don't realize that the Affordable Care Act and the insurance they have is the same thing as Obamacare, but it is. And, um, and, and, the, and he does not have a plan to replace Obamacare with another health care plan. And if you, have, if you appreciate it and, and the sanctity of life is something that is very important to you, abortion is not the only issue on the table in this country. A lot of people die. I mean, abortions are at an all-time low. But deaths, we have over 220, almost 230,000 people are dead in this country. What about the sanctity of life when it comes to those people? Not to mention all of the people who are going to be impacted by the economic ripples from this, this. And if you, and anyone who says that this is a global problem that is equaled all around the world. That just has to look at the numbers. We have a population of over 3 million people. India has a population of 1.3 billion. We have twice as many deaths. And we have about a million more cases. How... That, and 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 then if you factor in that we have the greatest hospitals, we have the we're the richest country in the history of the world, and we have the most resources. Why is it that a country like India is faring? And they're granted they're number two in the country or in the world, and with Brazil behind them. But why why are we faring so so poorly? And the reason is is that you need to have a. Uh, a virus does not have, does not know about borders. They don't know that the difference between states. And so you have to attack the, this problem from a federal level, from a federal standpoint, you need a leader to organize a coordinated response that is that is implemented nationally. So even if one state, you know, California shuts down early and they were doing wildly better because they didn't shut down as, as quickly as New York. And then things start to reopen and then they go back down to shutting down again. And now what we're seeing is like, we're, we, we reopened things and we, and some States did, some States didn't. And you don't have to have papers to cross state lines. There's nothing holding people back from going anywhere. And so, and you also have the leader of our country saying, multiple, multiple times, especially in the beginning, that the, the virus itself was a hoax. And, and putting doubts in, you know, towards science and, and the people who have been, uh, who have spent their lives, they dedicated their lives to this study, you know, which is not, it, it's an imperfect uh, thing what science is, but, but they, you know, to, to make fun of people for wearing masks. I mean that is that if you if you care about life, then abortion cannot be your only issue. There are a lot of a lot of people die from things that have nothing to do with abortion.
0: No, I know. I mean, I agree, and there are a lot of pro-life, not only Christians, but people of. I I talked to a completely secular organization that's pro-life, and they call it being pro-life from the womb to the tomb. And they, it's called the New Wave Feminists and they talk about the uh, capital punishments and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these other issues that are not at all pro-life and they they go against that concept in general. And I think that's what's so confusing. Like some of these, Trump's so good with words. Yeah, he might have a limited vocabulary seemingly, but like, the way he latches onto certain things that they just stick with you. And, you know, like he gives people these uh, nicknames like Crooked Hillary and Sleepy Joe. And like you pick up on them very quickly. And it is quite impressive to imagine even like the linguistics of him helping cast doubt onto things that we shouldn't be doubting or that we wouldn't have necessarily gotten an idea like that on our own. Um, But I also, like, just want to talk about how wild it feels to, like, sit across from you and be, it's COVID, we are on a computer, just sitting across from each other on a computer, um, feeling like I'm trying to convince people that we are telling the truth, but I almost feel like a conspiracy theorist Mm -hmm. when we discuss the truth. Like, it sounds like a conspiracy theory to say. it, it,
1: It is to some people.
0: No, I know, but it sounds like it sounds ridiculous to say Donald Trump was at a banquet and somebody teased him. So then he wanted to dismantle the Affordable Care Act, but I will say that I just, you know, anyone who is around our age or older, we're millennials, has a history with Donald Trump that is outside of any sort of political sphere And I remember first hearing about Donald Trump in my earlier years, because I'm from New Jersey. And what I was hearing as a child was from my dad, who was a teacher, and he had friends that were just hard workers. They were in the construction industry, et cetera. And when they were building Trump Tower, and if you watch any documentaries, even a nonpartisan view of it, you'll see that he tanked. Millions and millions of dollars into this hotel that was doomed to fail before it even opened its doors. And it was really just this project of his ego. And, you know, from like a psychological guess, it looks like his desperate attempt to get love from his father and approval. Like, there seemed to be so many other things going on that because he'd lost sense of business savvy. He wasn't being savvy, he wasn't being smart. He was running this place into the ground. And my dad was telling us about the lay people that were suffering tremendously, who had lost their business. And I remember my dad talking about how furious he was that this multimillionaire had just stormed into town and destroyed and wreaked havoc on all these people's lives. So, you know, and then, you know, his character of instances with women, if you choose not to believe that he's actually a sexual predator, you can still see that he is a philanderer and a womanizer and you know and if you really want to look deeper Jeffrey Epstein and his friendship with him like we don't know how dark and deep that well goes but like even on the surface this is not a moral person walking through the world so I don't I don't know how to invite Christians to consider that like what you're what I don't want to say dying on the cross for but like honestly what you're making this whole sacrifice to about like voting for someone that is so morally bankrupt right um in so many ways is in his personal character remembering what a scandal it was for Bill Clinton to get one blowjob like right now apparently any sexual ethics are just completely thrown out the window like (laughs) I don't under like all I'm saying is I don't know how to get over all of these obstacles of like hey everybody, we're not lying to you we're not trying to be conspiratorial It's right. not I, about I hate republicans <laughs> like
1: I I, I I think I think that most people have to concede the fact that if you put Joe Biden up ne- up against Donald Trump, the question of who has morality and who doesn't is i think that's that's um, I think the jury's in. Um, but
0: Well, Joe Biden does seem kind of touchy-feely with women.
1: I guess. Uh, but I also know that he, back in, he lost his family in a car accident. And he was, and I've, I've talked, you know, I've talked to some psychologists who, who you know, don't lean either way that say that that's sort of sometimes he's he's so... Compassionate, that oftentimes he just gets close to people and, like, you know, and in this environment, um, you know, in the Me Too environment, it it is very, like, those kinds of things are considered, uh, you know, it's, I could see why people think, oh, that's, you know, that's weird. Um, But, you know, I think that even if you do put the two up next to, so maybe he's touching, you know, like, rubbing shoulders or whatever um, it it does not hold a candle to the lack of morality and decency from the other side. Um, and when I say the other side, I mean Trump. I don't mean Republicans. I don't mean conservatives. I don't mean religious people. I mean that man. And it is, um, you know, it it is it is confounding to understand how people can possibly support you know this sort of thing and and even if you are a one or two issue um, person you have to consider the fact that the country our country does best when we aren't fractured to the, d- the degree we are.
0: United it, we stand, divided we fall.
1: And that's the thing. If that is not absolutely A a prolific statement, (laughs) Uh, I I don't know what is. I mean, it is absolutely the case that the more divided we are, the more more polarized we are, trust me, that is not going to help your bank account. That is not going to help your health or your well-being or the well-being of your loved ones. What we are seeing in the country right now, we're talking about since Trump was elected, actually since his candidacy, we have seen a massive uptick, uptick in uh, anti-Semitic rhetoric, discrimination, and physical attacks. We've seen the same thing, whether it be racist uh, attacks or discrimination. I have a, someone who, that is very close to me uh, that is just the sweetest person in the world. And she was walking down Sunset Boulevard in West Hollywood a very liberal mecca. A couple months ago, and she was walking with her friend. She had a lovely dinner outside and was uh, walking home. Long day of work, and these four men in a car drove up next to her. She's Asian, and they yelled at her and said, uh, "They they." I'll make the story short, but they basically you know said that, called her like the kung flu and. Um, you know, and these are terms that the, that the president has perpetrated and has put out there Yeah, and would not be, and, and just today, a CNN reporter, um, talked about how in the last 24 hours, she, she was at an airport and in the course of an hour, three different people made racist statements because she's Asian and use the same terms that the president has used. This is not a coincidence. This is not a, if you are a one issue person, then I'm sorry, at this point, it is selfish. You have to consider, if you consider yourself moral, then you need to be moral for more more than one or two things.
0: Yeah yeah that's what i really I really just don't understand, but it's also confounding to watch the people around him. granted, mm. a ton of people get fired or resign or whatever right or go to prison um but then to see the rallying around him between Lindsey Graham and um People that have made this switch. Who's uh, Ted Cruz is still on his mm-hmm. side, right? Yeah.
1: So I can answer why they've done that. Um, I, I can't answer why they have uh, done that in a from a moral or ethical standpoint, but I can answer this. In this country, we have a primary system, and then you have a general election for. Senators, congressmen, whatever, and uh, as well as president. But so Lindsey Graham uh, and, and anyone else who have absolutely railed against him in the past when they yeah. didn't before he was president. Yeah. I mean, the things Lindsey Graham said about Donald Trump that he was a religious, xenophobic, hateful bigot <laughs> who has no business being anywhere near the White House, uh, why he turned. Um, There could be a few reasons, but one that has to be considered is that in the primaries, the majority of the people who vote in primary elections are very staunch to the polar sides of any ideology. So really hardcore liberals vote in primaries, really hardcore conservatives vote in in primaries. Rarely do people in the middle or people who are nonchalant about politics, do they vote in primaries. So usually, or what often happens is, is that these politicians, both on the left and the right, they can get challenged by a, somebody else running under the same party that is more conservative and, or more like Trump. And so a lot of Trump, like avid Trump supporters are, you know, could put a primary challenger up against Lindsey Graham or Ted Cruz, and it makes like there were that they could get, they could, they may not even be able to run for reelection.
0: Right.
1: And so, and, and then on top of the fact that they, you know, there was a lack of morality when it came to the last few years, they they were sort of broken down by it because one tweet by the president and they were accosted by the base of the party. And, and then to, to be effective in their jobs, um, they sort of had to suck it up. And whether you like it or not, the, the president of the United States is the most powerful person in the country and the world. And so, um, and if it's a member of your party, it could be really, I mean, if you look at the vast majority of the people who have come out against him that were elected officials, they're all people who are not in office anymore.
0: Yeah. They had an opportunity to get him out though when he was impeached. But not,
1: they s- yeah, sort of. they they had to get a vast majority of the senate and that was just not going to happen yeah so um you know but it is what it is and we and you know we can we could talk so we're blue in the face about about i mean he sounds more
0: like a mafia leader even the way that he conducts himself well he
1: he has said that he i mean and, and you can just look at his actions and his words trump is very much he finds the um the personas of dictators far more appealing than our allies, yeah, and and people, you know, and so he finds, um, you know, he finds the Putin and Kim Jong Un who are enemies and adversaries more appealing than Angela Merkel, who's the you know the, the chancellor of Germany he has been our, uh, our ally yeah. for for a century or, you know, and, and then, you know, he's gone after the, the prime minister of Canada and, you know, it's it, so it
0: is, because Christians so often talk about like, you are who you hang out with, like in so many evangelical circles I've been in, it's like, don't hang out with sinners too much. You're going to get <laughs> drugged down and become who Perfect. they are. And then you look at, So we're excusing a man who has a fondness for these two dictators that are known to be some of the most morally reprehensible people in the entire world that are perpetuating the same kind of atrocities that Stalin or Hitler has. Like they're horrible, horrible human beings. Let's
1: let's consider the fact that the Our U.S. intelligence agencies found that there was significant evidence that Putin and the Russian government uh, had offered bounties on the heads uh, for the heads and the deaths of U.S. U.S. service members in Syria and Afghanistan. And when Trump was asked about it, after and he had talked to Putin. First of all, he didn't even, he he didn't himself go and say, you better knock this off, even if this is true. When he did talk to him, he admitted, I didn't even bring it up. I don't know anything about it.
0: That's disturbing.
1: Can we at least all get on the same page when it comes to the the livelihood of our troops? You
0: know, I... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um what are, what can you tell me slash everyone listening that we might not be privy to in, in mainstream media or even our own research?
1: You mean about the, the coming election? Yeah. Um, I think, I think, okay, well, uh, there's a few things. One, um, That we have to look at it in comparison to 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's a lot of uncertainty. And the thing is, is, like I said at the top, I think it is possible that he could win. He absolutely could because of the electoral college, he could win. Uh, However, there, it is, in 2016, it was Hillary Clinton was running after her party had been in the White House for two years, two terms. It is virtually it is very, very uncommon for a party to hold on to the White House three terms in a row. There's usually a pendulum swing.
0: Yeah. You no,
1: know? I mean, in, 20, in 2008 and 2012, the country elected a young Black man with a Muslim name,
0: President mm-hmm. of the United
1: States, twice and handily. So it, there, there was a pendulum swing there and because Trump is very much polar opposite to Obama, you have to think that there is going to be a repudiation of that because in 2018, the Democrats did better than any party has ever done in the midterm elections. They, it, was, it was literally a blue wave. And so the odds are very good that come, that come Tuesday, we are going to see um, the same thing because the two things that were on the ballot, according to voters, during that onslaught that the Democrats had was healthcare, number one. They, and it is very, and they do not believe Republicans. They do not believe Trump when they say, when he says, oh, I don't want to take away your healthcare. I have a great plan. It's coming. It'll be here in two weeks. He's been saying that for three years. They know, they, they largely believe that that is false. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why Democrats did so well. The other one was, is that it was a repudiation of him. And so I think that we're going to see, um, and I know a lot of people are gun shy. I myself am gun shy shy, and who knows maybe on Wednesday or a couple weeks after the election, I'll be, you know, just (laughs) uh, dealing with what we did in 2016, but on on a grander scale. But I just don't think that that is the case. And, and, I am, and I understand the reason to be gun-shy after what happened in 2016. But the polls have, the pollsters know what happened in 2016. And so they have also adjusted their system and how they go about polling.
0: What happened?
1: So uh, a couple things. Uh, they, a lot of the polls that were taken were not accounted for education, so they didn't account, for, they did not mix up their polls based off of uh, the level of education of the people that they were polling.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: didn't put as much emphasis on that. And we found that a lot of people who voted for Trump, because a lot of times when, they're, when, when polls are happening, uh, they, when polls are put into the field and then they come back. It's sort of like reaching into a jar of jelly beans, And sometimes, you know, that you may have like a ton of green ones in your, in your hand. You think, oh, that's not, that's not like, that doesn't represent this jar. And so pollsters do things where they kind of switch up, um, they kind of adjust it a little bit. So it, so other uh, segments of society are represented and, or they'll repoll until more demographics are, are represented that represent what the state actually looks like. And so uh, they had not factored in education, and that was a huge determinant in the last election. Also, because she had been doing so well, and because people considered him such a joke, um, a lot of people voted for, did not vote for her, but they were polled that that they were going to vote for her.
0: Okay. And I know know people people were asked, are you going to vote
1: for her? Yeah. But then when election day came, they were like, she's got it. This guy's not going to win.
0: Yeah.
1: They're not going to make that same mistake this year. (laughs) Everyone experienced what happened and they've learned from it. Another thing to consider is that a lot of people in 2016 that were polled were not young people. And a lot of young people didn't vote. They, I mean, a lot of people didn't, young people didn't vote in in 2008 and 2012 under Obama. And he had like, he was beloved by younger generations. And what we've seen in the last several years is when Trump and Clinton were running, there were a lot of people who were apathetic to that election. One, because they didn't like either candidate, but also because they, felt like everything was fine generally yeah. like young people had other things on their mind but if you look at the civil unrest that's happened the, the protesting the um and we're not just talking about black lives matter like we've had massive protest. people more people are involved in politics now than i mean like the last three years have been really fun and also wildly frustrating for someone like me who covered this stuff for, you know, 10 years as, as their their job um, and studied it intensely for much longer than that because it is something that affects everybody and is on the minds of everybody every day. And so everyone thinks they know what they're talking about when it comes to these things, and they they everyone has their own take. And I've kind of had to learn to not, like, respond to most of the stuff that's going on. <laughs> but one of the positive things that... Um, that have come out of it is that young people are engaged in ways they never have been. Yeah. And we are already seeing numbers coming out of early voting that is showing that young people are voting in record numbers. And that says a lot for Democrats and a lot for uh, for, for Biden.
0: Yeah, I think that's so dope. And I would say from my own personal experience, I remember voting for Obama in twenty. 20- Uh, 2008. And then I don't think I voted again Mm
1: -hmm. until
0: I voted for Hillary. And it was, I did feel a sense of nervousness and also a sense of um, obligation just as an American citizen, as a woman. Other women have had to fight so hard to give me that privilege. I think I started really coming to terms with how lucky I was to be able to cast that vote and and then how important it felt because of how morally reprehensible I found this person to be and I feel the same way as you like I could have yawned and kicked back with many Republican candidates winning because I was Mm -hmm. not invested and I didn't care and they did overall read as like Decent people I always just relied on our our president to be at least a decent human being that was held to like a a moral accountability that at times I don't even agree with like with the Clinton thing I was like why is his sex life you know relevant to his presidency now though I look deeper and you consider the character elements of it and like you know, what he had, how he had to view a woman that was working beneath him and the power dynamics. And you're like, you know, actually, it kind of does call a lot of character into question when somebody behaves in a certain way in their office and particularly, you know, but, um, but yeah, I didn't care until recently. And I can only imagine how, thanks for going on that journey of patience with the rest of us that are catching up because I've (laughs) I've just learned so much, but I think it's really exciting. Any of my Gen Zers that are listening right now, like I'm so happy and excited that you're also motivated to Mm -hmm. do the thing and to be so invested in marching for causes you believe in and voting in a way that you believe in. And yeah, I just, I, for me, like, the main goal of mine is I never want to alienate people or make them feel like I don't respect their side of the aisle or their perspective or their vote but this in particular is just it's too hard to stomach like I've right. I have did not say it at the top of the conversation but what I what I read in the New York Times was that President Trump had just removed protections for a national forest i think in alaska and removed yeah. like 75 percent of the protection so that logging could happen and all of these other terrible right. things could happen to the environment and you know even that thing where he made this big show of having two american-made trucks and one of them was bogged down by regulations and this like visual aid that he put in front of the white house and another one the regulations were lifted and it was like this is Trump and what people don't understand is that when he says quote regulations that means environmental protections and like saving the little critters that yeah and, and to let me
1: let me let about. me stop you right there because I think that there are probably a lot of people who might be listening who think like I don't what do I care about little critters and da-da-da. when taking regulations away for that <laughs> sort of like like environmental regulations we're talking about the the health and well-being of human beings. Yes. The, the the United Nations found that one in five deaths in the world are attributed to air pollution. One
0: so in five. If,
1: yeah. So if you care about life, going back to what we we're talking about before,
0: For then life.
1: the environment is something that you should absolutely care about. And if you look at the death and destruction that has happened here in California, through the entire continent in Australia, and and multiple places around the world, if we do not get a handle on this, we are going to see mass migrations of people, not just animals, people. And we are already seeing the effects of that. And even if you don't care or it's not affecting you right now, it's going to, it will. And if you don't believe, Me, come and live in California for a little while. I mean, we have, how many times, I I can't tell you how many times I've looked at the weather forecast on my phone and I've seen that the index showing like um, the quality of air is unhealthy. I've Mm. had a sore throat on and off, you know, since, since we've started getting these fires and it's not even fully into fire season yet. I mean, this is not, this will affect your bottom line. This will affect your, it'll affect your bank account. It'll affect your health and well being. So um,
0: Christians always love talking about legacy as well, which <laughs> I'm like, fine, great. I, I, it's not a Christian thing. It's on all of our minds. But when Christians talk about it, they talk about, living in such a way that honors future generations and that honors who you will be remembered as and when we look at people who were on the right and wrong side of history really i think strangely like they thought in their own head well-meaning women that were railing against um desegregating schools on the basis of their christian beliefs or like any myriad of issues that Christians have been on the wrong side of history about and using the Bible to back it up. Like we're confronting a lot of those things head on right now. And if you genuinely care about the legacy of your family and the legacy of future generations, this is a moment to stand for something that you can hold your head up high about in the future. If you cast a vote that will prevent unwanted pregnancies and abortion because democratic candidates just simply do that better. Mm -hmm. If you vote in a way that protects the environment, then you care about marginalized people. Marginalized people, the ones Jesus cared about, are the ones that are going to be starving first, are the ones that are gonna be dying for not enough water first. Like us in the first world, these waves will come to us much later but we're supposed to care about the marginalized. We're supposed to care about these people before anyone else does. So to me, as Christians, we need to start putting our vote where our mouth is and and show the world what we actually believe in.
1: Absolutely, and if you don't want to believe us, then believe, if you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, then believe other Republicans, believe other conservatives that you have valued and you've respected and you voted for in the past.
0: Well, Bush like, who? Yeah.
1: I'm going to tell you. Okay, I mean, great. <laughs> Bush, senior yeah. died. Bush senior before he died and, and George W. Bush both, it is not a secret that they do not support this president. Um, John McCain vehemently did not support this president. Um, and Mitt Romney has come out and officially said that he is not going to vote for him.
0: I know. I respect um, him a lot. That was brave.
1: Yeah, um Megan McCain and Sydney uh, Cindy McCain, John's widow, came out and made videos for the Biden's. She says I'm not switching parties, I'm not becoming a liberal, I'm not becoming a democrat, but I I cannot in all good conscience support this man. I have to I have to go with with Joe Biden here. And you have to put country over party this time. Um as somebody who has studied and immersed themselves in foreign and domestic policy and the history of the world, we are at a crossroads. If we do not, if it, if it isn't Joe Biden, then the ripple effects will be, I am not being hyperbolic and I, and I, I hate to say, I even hate to say this word, but they will be catastrophic going forward. Um, and it is hard to see that because we are very much living day to day. But we have to, we, we, we can't. It has to be Joe Biden. Even if you don't like him, even if you know, he's not your cup of tea on certain issues, we have to vote for the morality. We have to vote for um, somebody who, who values democracy and, and values unity and will be a president for everyone, not just the people who voted for him.
0: Yeah. Um, and Trump is all openly vilifying the other all the time. He's always othering. And yeah. again, com- coming from the Christian standpoint, in the Bible, in the original, uh, Satan was called the divider, right? or translated yeah. into the divider. It's all about that division that's so crooked and evil.
1: There is almost no one who has left his administration. People that the president used to Laud, who, who he used to prop up, um, his former attorney general, his former secretary of state, his former defense secretary, all lifelong Republicans, his former national security advisor, all people that he used to praise immensely have, have since left the White House. And he, they have come out, some saying who weren't even in his, uh, like in his bad graces have come out and said, I have to speak up. What's going on there is not good. It is not American. And we're talking about generals, we're talking about um, lifelong senators that were staunchly Republican. I mean, pe- you know, people used to think that John Bolton, who was his national security advisor, was as conservative as they come. And he came out afterwards and said that Trump is a threat to national security. I don't know what else you have to, what else we have can be said. You know? I mean, if you don't believe liberals, if you don't believe, you know, people on the coast or elites or people in the media, then believe the people that you used to respect. If they are, they're witnessing it firsthand. They're in the room. These are conservatives who care about finances. They care about fiscal conservativity. They care about national security. They are pro-life they are all the things that you believe in they didn't give a shit about climate change they didn't give a shit about uh, they are saying that this man is a danger to the well-being and the future of our republic if you do not take a moment and get past yourself and get past what you may think about you know democrats and liberals and look i even as somebody who leans left, I don't like social justice warriors. I don't like what's coming from the left in many occasions. I think that, you know, safe spaces and, and uh, you know, <laughs> believing, you know, women no matter what, like without due process, I think this is all bullshit. I think it's crap. And I think that there, are, there is a rhetoric coming from the left that is, um, it, is it is not only obnoxious, but it is uh, disheartening. And, um, but the other side, what we're talking about when it comes to this man is we are under threat of authoritarianism. We are under threat of a demoralization in this country, the likes we haven't seen since before the civil war. And we are in a place where we cannot afford that. We cannot afford that going forward. So... Um, you just have to put the country and the rest of the world before your party. Before, you may not like liberals, you may not like some stances that they have, but the repercussions of this man continuing to hold office and to basically justify his behavior and his worldview, um, The repercussions of that will not, they won't work in anyone's favor. Anyone's.
0: I completely agree with that. (laughs) Gosh, this conversation. Thank you so much for any of you have made it to the end. I think, I don't know, so many of us are just at such a point of exhaustion. And it's been such a journey to Again, so much of the work that I feel very compelled to do is about unity and about welcoming all sides to consider that we're all one, that we all want so many of the same things. Like at the end of the day, we all want love and peace and food on the table and health for the ones that we love and Right now, we're in a moment where we don't have so many of those things. Like you said, Americans are dying just because they've hung out with the wrong person. Like There's so much chaos and fear. And I I believe the only way to combat that is by taking on new leadership. And that's the other thing I'm just like, I don't understand how we could have gotten here. And then people still believe that another four years to solve it. It's almost like when you go to the blackjack counter and you just keep doubling down and then you pull more money out of the ATM because you're like, oh my God, I put everything on this. It's got to (laughs) work eventually. And it's like, no dude, walk away from the table. Sorry, like maybe revisit the table in four years. This is not it, this is not the answer.
1: And, and if nothing else, like, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of, like, I miss the days when the president, Republican or Democrat, wasn't in our lives every day. Like, I'd like I to go back that. talking about other shit. <laughs> you know, like, I'd like to go back to like like, you know, like, whatever you thought about Obama... He wasn't constantly talking to us every day. He wasn't constantly in our world every single day. You were able to think about other things. You know, aren't you sick and tired of having this be what our lives are about? Yeah. Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative.
0: And also, and, aren't and you tired you- of not being invited to family events and having all of this chaos at the dinner table? It's not just because. Right they're republican and you're a democrat it's because this man leads division he promotes division he He revels in it it. encourages it He likes it in
1: his personal life and he likes it inflicted on everyone else
0: yes and we all feel those repercussions like
1: yes (laughs) i just don't want to i'm tired like i studied politics i like covered it for a living and i'm so burnt out from it Just as a citizen, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of talking about this. And and for those people who may say, "Oh, it's entertaining. Trump is entertaining," you know what? Email me. I'll give you a list of really good shit on (laughs) Disney Plus. You know,
0: Disney Plus.
1: Yeah, little plug. Uh, you (laughs) You need to find a better way to be entertained. You know, like there's a lot of good entertainment out there.
0: <laughs> I think that's just a story that people were telling themselves in the beginning, like, oh, I'm doing this for the entertainment factor. But like you have to tell yourself new stories as the new story evolves.
1: Yeah. And
0: this is this is chaotic. It is chaotic
1: it's and it will get worse. And 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 as much as you think like um you know, oh it's entertaining now, wait. No It's gonna become not entertaining. You know, I mean, there were a lot of people who, who on both sides who thought that it was good, you know, when we were having these protests in the beginning of, you know, when after what happened with George Floyd, both sides. The best, there was a sea change in public opinion when it came to policing in this country. Back when I was covering the Ferguson, uh, ru- you know, uh, protests and riots and whatnot, back uh, God, over five years ago. There was like it was less than it was like less than 50 percent thought that uh, policing needed to change or that there was a systemic problem in you know the way we police and that bumped up to 75 percent. But then as the uh, as the protests continued and as super liberal factions continued to protest in places like Washington and and Portland. And it was like, okay, now we're kind of missing the message here. Now the message is being lost. That number dropped down again. Mm. If Trump is reelected, we're going to have civil unrest and a a fracturing in our society that isn't going to be fun. It's not going to be entertaining. It's going to be tiresome. And we're going to forget what we were fighting about in the first place.
0: What are we even fighting about? I don't even like... had stakes in the game like this before,
1: right? <laughs> I mean, I I, it w- I was in uh, you know I was out in the desert uh, a few months ago when when the pro- when the, the protests really started and then par- the people took advantage of the protests and were lighting things on fire and like doing like craziness and looting and all that and I got I drove home from the desert two hours away and I got to West Hollywood and I went up on my roof and I, there was smoke all over and I saw fires and there were police going everywhere and um if you think oh this isn't coming to my door it will it will everyone is going to be affected in some way or another and there isn't anywhere you can go and it doesn't matter how much money you have it is not going to make your life better if this man is reelected. it's not
0: i believe you i <laughs> really do Um, God, but we have a chance.
1: Oh, oh, a huge chance.
0: Okay.
1: Huge. I mean, I think that, I think that I am gun shy to say this. I'm gun shy for, um, I I know a lot of other people, you know, in the media, you know, are are saying the same, like they're scared, you know, whatever. And, or just regular citizens are scared to make a prediction. And that's good because that's getting everybody out to vote. Yeah. Um, but if it's just between us, yeah, uh, I, think he's, I think Trump is going to get annihilated. I think I, it's going to be a I hope
0: so. I oh my gosh. Okay, so nobody rely on that.
1: No yeah. one rely on that. Get it's your booties like this time, out on there. And, you know. But um, I'm
0: behaving as if the threat is imminent, and it's real and it's going to happen and. Yes let's all behave like that and try to not make it happen.
1: Right. Even if it's a 20% chance, a 10% chance, with the repercussions of Trump winning re-election that's far too great. I mean, and if we all had,
0: want we can do like a little Mitt Romney in 4 years instead. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and and
1: you know, I got to be honest with you. If if you're having trouble with Biden and you don't want Biden president, I I would say, and I I have some. Um, I've had I've had I've heard from people that you know would would have know even better than I would. I would bet that he only does one term. And yeah. So, um. You know.
0: <laughs> so yeah, probably like a Mitt Romney in four years.
1: So, or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, we can't have this anymore.
0: Yeah, can't. it's not because, worth it. Yeah, you
1: know, it's just not worth it.
0: And I, I mean, I don't feel deluded in saying that if if this kind of chaos had happened with Hillary, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a fan of my politicians. If they mess up, if they suck, I'm not supporting 100%, 100%. them. Hundred percent. So I don't even understand that mentality. Like, I if if this was happening with Hillary or Obama.
1: Absolutely, It was
0: causing civil unrest and there were protests in the streets and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are dying. I would not support him because I don't think politics are the solvent to everything. I don't think one person is going to solve all the problems in the world that are dear to our hearts, but they can degrade the society to a level that we might not be able to turn back from considering especially the environment.
1: Yes. I mean, when I was covering, you know, um, Obama and, uh, you know, the, these, uh, you know, foreign and domestic policy and politics and current events and all of that, one of the things, that, the, like a few of the things that I used to talk about the most were I don't like how Obama handled Syria. I don't like how he handled immigration in some, some respects. I don't yeah. you know, like the fact that he took forever to get on the right side of history when it came to gay marriage. Um right. and so like yeah, I got a lot of problems with, with um the past administration, like with drone strikes and other you know shit. Um and you know, but it, it it's easy for people, myself included, to appear um like just on the blue team. Yeah, but it's not about that, and especially in not in this election, you know. I mean, I grew up with Republicans. I, I have family. I, I go home. I love my hometown. I love my mom and dad so much. <laughs> you know, I love, you know, the, every Republican that I, I know. I, I, I care about deeply, and I have great friendships with. And honestly, I'm not one of these people who's in a bubble. I'm not in a bubble. I have friends of all walks of life. Um. I don't want to just be friends with liberals. I don't want to just be friends with people that lean left. Um, but this this man has no ideological center. He has no compass when it comes to... He does not care about ideology. The only thing he cares about is himself. He does not care about you or me or anyone else but himself.
0: Yes, I think that's been made abundantly clear by and and,
1: and even if that even if like you benefited from that, like tax wise or whatever, or because he's appointed judges that you like, that is not tenable and it will impact you eventually.
0: Also, you already have all your judges in the Supreme Court. So you can just let that go. If that's what you wanted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, I won't keep you all night. Thank you so much, Scott. I am feeling Cautiously optimistic.
1: Great, all for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Go (laughs) vote. Everybody go freaking vote. Where can everybody find you on social media, etc.?
1: Oh, they must. They can find (laughs) me on Twitter. (laughs) Uh it's just my name at Scott Stenholm.
0: Okay, cool. Um, thank you all so much. We love you. God bless.